Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to this week's Man of the Post Extra Time. I'm your host, Chris. Uh, with me this week, I've got Nathan. Sava. Hello. How are you? Uh, yeah, pretty good, actually. You? Yeah, grand. Thank you very much. And next, we've got uh, Man of the Post's own Marty Pello. We've got Andy Manson. How you doing, Chris? I'm very good. How are you? Yeah, I kind of complain. First time I've ever been called Marty Pello. I was going to... Uh, I was... singing voice, I'll maybe pass on the crippling drug addiction. <laughs> Well, he's reinvented himself now, hasn't he? I think he has, yeah. Is, is it, does he know day like TikToks or something now? I feel like he's... Um, I, I think he's been on tour. Career path. Yeah, he's been on tour advertising musicals. Wet, wet, wet used to sponsor Clyde Bank, didn't they? Yes, they did. Uh, they were part owners at one point, I think. Yes. Their name was on the front, wasn't it? It was, yes. Um, so yeah. Anyway, this isn't a wet, wet, wet podcast, sadly. <laughs> um, we will talk about uh, the Champions League on Tuesday. So Manchester City seven, um, RB Leipzig uh, nil. That's eight one on aggregate. Erling Haaland five goals. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne and Ilkay Gundogan with a goal. Um, I've written the Nordic Andy Cole question mark. Is that fair to either of them? <laughs> um, I but could they do it in a no, I don't know where I was going with that because he's probably proven already that he could perfectly <laughs> capably do it in a wet Tuesday night in Stoke. So, um, has anyone seen I the? Bit closer than you think. <laughs> has anyone seen the interview he did with CBS Sports afterwards? So it was um, I can't remember who the interview was, but it was with um, uh, it was with James Carragher, Michael Richards, I think, and uh, Thierry Henry. Has anyone seen that? I haven't. No. Um, it's really good. It lasts for about five minutes, and it is one of those nice interviews where they let the interviewee talk. So it was quite interesting. Um, he said he was uh, Harlan said he was disappointed. He felt he should have got at least six, maybe seven goals because he missed a couple of chances. So he was happy with his five. Happy that he contributed to the team. He said, but a bit not that he should have got more. I mean, that's kind of what he should be saying, I suppose. But he sort of came across he spoke very well came across quite eloquently in that um, at 1-0 there was the penalty uh, no it was 0-0 there was the penalty um, that made it 1-0 there was the sort of header off um, Heinrich's arm wasn't it um, have either of you seen that and do you think it would have made a great difference in the end I've seen I've seen the replays um, I don't know I mean it really seems to depend on the angle you see it at because I thought there was an angle where it very clearly hit Heinrich's arm onto the City player's head mm. and then there's other angles where that's much less conclusive um, 
mean, it's, it's difficult to say how much a difference it would have made. An early goal can make all the difference, but, you know, City... I mean, City, City when they're in that form, I, I'm not sure there's a, a team in the planet that can live with them in that form. Um, I mean, Leipzig are... I was going to say they're no mugs, but I mean, between this and the, the Chelsea result, which will come on to, you know, it does, unfortunately, kind of lend a bit of credence to the, let's just say the English view, perhaps, that the Bundesliga is a bit of a farmer's league these days. Ein Farmer. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, so, I, yeah, I, I don't know if it would have made much of a difference, but, yeah, it's one of those ones. Momentum can always change when we go and they got it and yeah I don't think 7-0 uh, flattered them Nathan did you watch this? Uh, I, I didn't see this I've been very very distracted this week by uh, the ongoings in Cheltenham um, have, you, but, have you? How have you done this week? Are you up or down? Uh, I am up I'm up it's been a good year Has it? Are you up a lot? Uh, £142 Are you? Yeah it's been a yeah, been a good one this year. I enjoyed myself. Are you going to treat the lucky Mrs. Nathan? Very much so, potentially. She got some flowers on the way home. Oh, you soppy sod. Did you pick him up from the side of the road where somebody had died? <laughs> no, 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 no. They probably would have been better than the ones that I bought, though. <laughs> so you actually went to Cheltenham, did you? No, I, I didn't go. Um, to be honest, I'm glad I didn't with the uh, forecast and that, but yeah. Um, had a couple of days off work to uh, sit and enjoy the uh, the races. Marvelous. So yeah, um, football wise, I'm a I'm a, a wee bit behind this week, but pretty much like I just said, then you know, Man City in, in the form like that, and especially Highland when he's in the mood. I don't think there's anything anything in the football world that can stop him. To be honest, no. He turns up and decides, yeah, I fancy it tonight. I don't think there's much you can do. Not really an awful lot. I mean, he was up against Guardiola, who had an excellent World Cup uh, and is an excellent player. And you know, even someone that good couldn't keep him quiet at all. Uh, Andy, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of imagining Nathan now. Do you remember the Simpsons episode where Ken Brockman won the lottery and he sort of uh, tanned himself for more a great big medallion? <laughs> Are you on the medallion, Nathan? Come on, be honest. Uh, yeah, I thought I had a medallion, but uh, why not? That's what I should be doing. Go for it. Um, just, just quickly on the Haaland thing again. I think the it's odd. I don't. I don't want to say he's overrated. I think he's perhaps slightly misunderstood because I think people look at Haaland and assume that it's all down to his physicality, which is genuinely incredible. I mean, when he's in full flow, it's absolutely terrifying. But I think the thing that, that most stood out for me in, in the Leipzig game is the fact that his positioning is incredible and that's actually where he gets most of his goals from. If you look at the goals he scored on, on Wednesday, none of them were, were exactly brilliant goals. In fact, a couple of them came from like rebounds off the keeper and things like that. Mm. But he was there because he knew there was a chance that was going to happen. So, yeah, I think, I think sometimes he's perhaps unfairly maligned as just being very physical and you know, that can sometimes give off the, the impression of being like almost like a flat track bully. And I think that's really unfair. He's a, he's a far more intelligent striker than he, he often gets credit for. That's kind of why I said the Nordic Andy Colour Park have been hilariously funny. I did sort of 
think uh, it, it's not lucky he scores all these goals. Like you say, he's in the, the right place at the right time. Uh, and that's something he either works hard on or it's just got a natural instinct for a bit of both. Um, yeah. Can you see, so when Rooney was at his peak, I think people could always sort of see him dropping back to be some sort of deep holding midfielder or, you know, the way he sort of dropped back further into midfield. Can we see anything like that for Haaland? Or is it, this is what he is. He's a big brutish number nine that knows where to stand. I'd, I think, I genuinely think um, Haaland in the long term could could benefit from being... He wouldn't be a traditional number 10. He wouldn't be a Bergkamp or a, a Platini or, or players like that. He would be a very specific type of number 10, which would be... You get a kind of tricky player up front ahead of him, mm. and Haaland can make again is either waiting there to kind of gobble up the rebounds essentially, or is making those really lightning quick runs that he makes beyond a striker. So yeah, I, I think again, I think for the people labeling him as just like a physical number nine, I, I think that's quite unfair. Um, it's obviously taken him a, a bit of time to get used to how City play in terms of link up hmm. and I, again I think I referenced one of the last times I was on that if I was him I'd be wondering why nobody in City seems to like him apart from Kevin De Bruyne because they all seem determined not to pass the ball to him yeah, um, yeah. I, I just think yeah, to me he's like he's. I, I'm going to bring up professional wrestling for a minute there, there, there's a, there was a, a thing for years which was um, if you were building a professional wrestler from the ground up it would be it was a guy called Randy Orton if you were building a striker a modern day striker from the ground up it'd, it'd be Erlen Haaland 10 times out of 10 more so than Mbappe more so than your Alvarez's or your Gabriel Jesus's or anything, it, w- it would be Ellen Haaland. He's built similar to Mbappe though, isn't he? That's um... Yeah, Mbappe's kind of sneaky physical. Mm. I think I, you don't think it as much with him because obviously he has kind of moulded himself into the more Thierry Henry type of forward where he likes to drift wide Yes, and, and kind of cut inside and so on. But yeah, Mbappe's got some strength to him as well. Yeah. Uh, 39 goals in 36 games he's no Marin Schumacher is he Nathan? <laughs> no he's not oh, God, thank, thank God for that <laughs> yeah good hair though didn't he? Uh, well I don't know debatable <laughs> oh he's the hair that I would aspire to at this point in my life anyway elsewhere <laughs> <laughs> um, on Tuesday night it's Porto Nil Inter Nil 1-0 to Inter and aggregate Inter in the quarterfinals the first time since 2011. They did ride their look quite a lot. Um, Onana in the Inter goal, he made a series of uh, excellent saves. Denzel Dumfries got one off the line twice. Porto hit the woodwork in injury time as well. Um, Porto did everything but score here. Um, I felt quite sorry for them in the end. But did anyone see the highlights from this? No. No, to be fair. No. No, it's... I caught wee bits and pieces of it. I, I think, I think it's Sergio Conceição is their mm. manager. Is that right? That's right. He's done. He's done a pretty good job 
there over the last couple of years. He's, he's made them very formidable. You're right, they, they, they probably should have gone through. I mean, it's not even a case that they should have got an equaliser. They should have went on and won the game. Hmm. Um, so I imagine they're probably pretty... They'll look back in that way with some regret. Um, and our... Yeah, like we talked about, they might squeak by Benfica, although Benfica are another Portuguese team who, who seem to be on the on the come up again. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, to me it seems like Inter have gotten through just to lose either this next tie or, as Nathan said, they'll probably get smashed by Napoli in the, the semi-final if they make it that far. So, yeah, I, it feels similar to yourself. feel a bit sorry for, for Porto, but yeah, you've got to put the ball in the, the goal and they, they didn't do so. No, we do. Uh, Wednesday night uh, in Madrid, Real Madrid won Liverpool nil. Uh, so that's uh, six two in aggregate. No miracle. Um, people did talk at this up that it would could be some sort of miracle. Um, nothing particularly ever seemed evident that uh, that that would happen. Um, Liverpool apparently seemed to go with a sort of four two three one. Uh, some suggestions that although. Jürgen was trying to go a bit more attacking uh, to try and eke out the chances that he needed. It sort of left them a little bit, or had the potential to leave them a little bit over in midfield, uh, which you had James Milner starting. Um, Alisson made a couple of saves from British Junior and Camavinga, a couple of brilliant saves. Uh, Tigo de Courtois made an excellent save from Nunes as well after only six minutes. But this was all pretty pedestrian in the end, wasn't it? Um, they even played you'll never walk alone to Liverpool as they walked off the pitch, and some people weren't sure if that was a bit of a piss take or not, or quite a nice touch. Um, either of you see this uh, yeah I watched the highlights of this one um, yeah that, it was it was it was I, I don't want to go as far as to say it was a training game both sides obviously tried but I mean I think there was a acceptance on both sides that mm. the tie had been killed off in the first game Um yeah, the, the you'll never walk alone. My understanding from what I read is that it was Madrid were were kinda very thankful to Liverpool for it was something to do with I think one of their board members had died or something recently. Oh Liverpool yes. Had, In the first had, um, yep. had been uh, very nice uh, about that and you know I think that was supposed to be Madrid kind of returning the favour and kind of saying thank you for for the understanding and so on at the time. So mm. yeah, I was again. It was kind of a nothing game. I mean, Benzema's goal was it was it was okay. By that point, I think Liverpool had probably just going through the motions. I guess um, the, I guess there comes a time in a game where you're chasing a game by a couple of goals it's obvious you're not going to get those goals and I guess maybe some sort of self-preservation kicks in don't get injured now or something like that yeah I mean Liverpool this season the the, the goal has to be nothing more than, than top four mm. and if there's a risk of you getting a player injured um, like a Salah or a Nunez when you've got some big important games coming up then there's there's no there's no need to risk it no, Nathan, were you knee deep in horses or were you um, watching this? Uh, knee deep in horses, to be fair, but I did, I did see that um, both goalkeepers seem to be on top form. Yeah. Uh, in the game, um, I think, I think, um, 
Alton's been playing well recently, I think, hasn't he? He's not dropped Clanger for a while. Yeah. I can remember. I think he did against the Rodrigo in the first leg. Sorry, yeah. Don't you, 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 you're bringing me back. Give me flashbacks now. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I had the goalkeeper play well. I just, I've, I've been a fan of Benzema since since his Leon days. Yeah. And it, it just astonishes me that he's still so good, still doing it, top level. Just he's what he's one of them rare, rare forward players who's never really had to rely that much on his pace, or certainly not for a long time anyway. Mm. And, and and he's still at the top of his game. Just a, just a fantastic player. Anyone. Uh, wonder about Karim Benzema's wrist. He seems to have had it in a bandage longer than Jamie Vardy has his had his on. And I've never figured out what the problem is, but he um, he seems to wear a bandage every week, doesn't he? I wonder if it's either become like a fashion thing or a superstitious thing. Yeah, or I was just going to say, yeah, or something superstitious, or maybe it's just comfortable. Maybe he was just he had it strapped up at one point for a reason and he thought actually it feels weird after I took it off so I'm going to put it back on again yeah could be um, also Wednesday night Napoli 3 Frankfurt Nielsen Napoli go through 5 in aggregate uh, Osimhen with 2 goals um, Zielinski with a penalty rather mean they didn't let Osimhen take that penalty for his hat-trick um, Napoli 25 goals that's the most this season of any team in the Champions League um, bit of fan trouble for the game um, between the two sets of Ultras, apparently the Atalanta Ultras also joined in. Um, they organised something between the Eintracht Frankfurt fans because Atalanta hate Napoli for some reason I'm not quite aware of. So uh, so they joined in as well. Who saw the brawling? Who saw the game? I, I saw the brawling, didn't see the game. Yeah, looks all right, um, isn't it? It was scary, to be fair. It was quite scary. Um I just think it's hilarious that alliances can be formed by other teams when there's a European game in town. I just, why? What? Who had that conversation? Did, you know, is there some form of ultra network <laughs> where they ring each other up and go, oh, I see you lads have drawn uh, uh, rivals. Do you fancy getting together, having a few beers and knocking seven bells out of them? It's like, what, lads? Just go and enjoy the game. It's not like Bergamo's anywhere near Napoli either, so the Atalanta fans had to travel quite far. Proper random. We need someone to find out. We need, we need an answer. What's what's the beef? What's happened? Yeah, exactly. Um, Andy, did you watch the highlights in this? The game, not I the brawling. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I actually, I'm the opposite of Nathan. I saw the game, didn't see the brawling, but um, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that it was like that uh, standoff between the news teams and Anchorman. <laughs> Just people randomly walking about with grenades and like table legs and stuff. It wasn't far off. Nice. <laughs> um, yes, I did see the highlights to this one. Uh, I mean, this one was academic after the the first leg. Frankfurt have not really kicked on from their Europa League uh, one last season. Um, and Napoli are just irresistible at the moment. Um, Osimhen is probably the best striker in the world at the moment, as much as Man United fans might want to claim otherwise. Oh, um, what we host? Uh, yep, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, again, as Nathan said, it's um, they've got a real shot at winning this because it looks like a it's certainly the easier half of the draw to get to the final, and 
punch her into a one-off like that. I, I don't care who they're up against. I don't care if it's Real. I don't care if it's Bayern. I don't care if it's City. Um, Napoli can take any one of those teams as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, a, a nice routine win, which is which has come at the end of probably one of their, their kind of rougher spells of the season. I mean, they've still been winning, but obviously they lost to Lazio. Mm. Um, and yeah, that it, it just it doesn't seem to have knocked them off their stride at all. They're just a very impressive team. Yeah, I, I think Spalletti is a hugely underrated manager. I do really like him. I think he had an impossible job at Roma trying to phase Totti out of the team. Um, but I think this shows the sort of level of his uh, stewardship, I think. Um, the uh, quarterfinals draw is Real Madrid versus Chelsea, Inter, Benfica, Manchester City, Bayern, Milan, Napoli. You're saying about the nature of the draw. Um, I think it's quite obvious that the four stronger teams have pretty much... I mean, we say Napoli. Okay, traditional stronger teams have drawn each other. So, you know, two of Real Madrid, Chelsea, Man City and Bayern won't be in the semi-finals. Um, I've got a sneaky feeling it's going to be Madrid and Bayern that make their way through. Yeah, Chelsea, I mean, certainly look a different team in Europe than they have in the league for most of this season. You know, they were, I think, very comfortable against Dortmund in the end. Um, Bayern are always going to be there or thereabouts. Um, they'll fancy their chances after knocking off PSG. Um, but, yeah... I think you're probably right. I think it will end up being Madrid and Bayern for that half. Yeah, Nathan, what do you make of this draw? Um, I just think it would be really interesting if after Maradona died, Argentina win the World Cup and Napoli Ooh, yeah. win the league and the Champions League. Yes. That would be, that'd be weird. Um, right. In terms of the draw, um, yeah, Napoli go straight through to the final for me. And on the other side... I, I genuinely just think it's which team turns up in those games. To be honest with you, um, they've they've all. They, I think all of those teams would say that they've underperformed to, mm. to their standards this season. Um, so I think it's just whichever one of them turns up on the night. To be fair, um, if I had to say anyone, I'd, I'd put City in the final. Okay. I think they can do it. I, I genuinely think they. They can do it based on based on everybody. I know they've not been great this season, but it, I don't know something about that Leipzig result just makes me think that is this where City go on one of the mad mad runs at the end of the season where everything just falls into place for him. Okay, um, right. We're going to the Europa League. Manchester United beat Betis one 0 out in Spain. Uh, a really really nice Marcus Rashford goal. So they go through five one in aggregate. Manchester United got severe in the next round, so they can um, keep their hotel booking. Uh, we'll come to you guys then. So Arsenal won, Lisbon won, uh, Sporting Lisbon won, um, Sporting win 5-3 on penalties. Uh, Martinelli was the, the poor sort of guy that missed out there. A um, couple of questions I've got for you guys. The Pedro Gonçalves goal, are we blaming Aaron uh, Ramsdale for that or was Ramsdale standing far off his line carrying out um, uh, Arteta's instruction and that's the sort of thing that could possibly happen? Um, and also, is this a good time for Arsenal to go out? City's still in the Champions League, still got midweek football with that. Arsenal now uh, have just got this trophy to concentrate on because City got the FA Cup as well. Uh, Arsenal have got just the, the, the Premier League to concentrate on. So in a weird way, 
as it kind of done you guys a favour. So uh, yeah, and Ramsdale, and um, is it not is it not a bad thing you guys being out, Nathan? Um, it's it's a, it's a it's a double-edged sword in that the being knocked out and now having absolutely no hurdles to fall over in the Premier League, you, you'd almost uh, the pressure's on for us to win the Premier League now. Like, there's no more excuses. That's it. You know, we've got we've got players come back from injury. We're out of all other tournaments. We've got a free run at the league, and as you said, City are still in the FA Cup. And still in Champions League, so they're going to have midweek games, they're going to have rearranged games. You know, the fixture list is just going to be a nightmare. So, um, I'd say yes and no on that point. Mm. Yes, it's good that we've got a free run, but it certainly cranks the pressure up big time. Mm. Uh, in terms of the goal, I've, I've watched it back a couple of times, and you, you, you see it in modern modern day football now, where goalkeepers are absolutely nowhere near the goal line, whilst player is that far away from a goal. Um, and I just thought I don't want to take anything away from the hit because to be fair to Ramsdale, he does get back to his line, and the ball—the only place the ball can go—is where it actually ends up. Mm. He, he he gets back to the, to the line, he jumps, he he's almost brushing the, the crossbar, and there's only enough room for the ball to get over him. So I don't. Maybe it's a bit naive and silly on Ramsdale's part. I can't blame him too much because so many goalkeepers do that now. You know, they come and stand on the 18-yard line almost, don't they? Yeah. Uh, um, and, and the hit, the hit is absolutely like you couldn't pick it up and put it in a better spot for it to go in for no, Ramsdale to miss it. He really hit it sweetly, didn't he? Um, yeah. Same two questions to you, then, Andy. So yeah, in terms of Ramsdale, yeah, I can't really blame him for that because that's just the modern keeper. Uh, they're expected to play that way now. Uh, Ramsdale does it very well um, but it's always going to leave you open to those kind of moments of opportunism and it, unfortunately for Arsenal it kind of fell to the best player in Lisbon's side to to take advantage of such an opportunity it was a, it was a brilliant strike uh, yeah I've, I've had mixed feelings on whether this is a good thing or not Um in terms of the performance, I think Arteta will probably be quite concerned about the first 75 minutes of that game, but I think they were probably pretty thoroughly outplayed at points by a team maybe not totally well heralded at this point. Um, and so that will be of concern. He'll be pleased with the response for the last 15 minutes of normal time and, and how they played an extra time when they could and probably should have won it. Um, How long did they have 10 men for? It wasn't too long, was it? It was the last two minutes. Oh, okay. um, so, yeah, there, there was no time for Arsenal to do anything with that. In terms of um, whether it's a good thing, I mean, yes, in a way, but I guess it goes back to the old um, saying about iron sharpening iron and, and City might look at the fact that they're going to keep playing these big games as allowing them to round into that kind of form that Nathan talked about that they seem to round into every uh, kind of last third of the season Arsenal you know I, I think there's something to be said for momentum and if Arsenal end up in a situation where they're only playing games once a week does that become a bit more difficult to keep that momentum going? Possibly, 
Uh, I mean, certainly from a fitness point of view, you know, it gives Gabriel Jesus, you know, extra rest time between games, other players um, as well. Uh, I think Shaka has had injury problems in the past. It's probably a good thing for him only to be playing once a week. Uh, so, yeah, it is, it is very much, it really is just a case of how you look at it. It's whether you're a half glass empty or a half glass full kind of guy. Were you were, were either of you sort of a bit miffed that he'd lost last night, or were you quite sort of meh? I after after the first leg, I was I had a bit of a bad feeling to be honest with you. Um, not many teams have played that type of football and succeeded against us. Um, what I mean by that is is sort of playing us uh, playing us at our own game. Hmm. You know, really attacking on the front foot. I re- I really enjoyed watching Sporting Lisbon. I, they, they were they were a joy to watch. They had some cracking players, um, really attacking. You know, it, it made for a really good game in both legs. Um, I am a little bit miffed because I've, all, I've I've always had this feeling that if we were in the Europa League, we should be winning it. And we, to be fair, we've come up against some some of the third place teams from the Champions League, like you know, Atletico Madrid did us a couple of times. But I've I've always thought that. You know, we since we've been in the Europa League, we've been good enough to win that competition. It's just never happened, and again, it feels like a bit of a missed opportunity because looking at the other teams in that you'd fancy them. The only team that I didn't, I wouldn't fancy would, would be Man United for, for obvious reasons. Mm. There's, there's no reason why we couldn't have won that competition. But then, but then you look at what's going on in the league at the moment, and you think to yourself, well. If there's one season you want to get knocked out, this is probably the one. To be fair, so yeah, about really. Fair enough. Uh, okay, right. We'll move on to the couple of Premier League games that happened this week. Um, so Southampton nil, Brentford two. Goal from uh, Tony and Wisser. Uh, Brentford now eighth, one point off the Conference League place. Southampton a twentieth, two points off of seventeenth, but they played a game more than teams around them. Uh, and then there was El Gatwicko as um, Brighton beat Palace one nil. Sonny March on the fifteenth of March, wearing fifteen. Uh, scored in the 15th minute. Um, their third consecutive 1-0 loss for Palace. They got zero wins in 11. Of course, after that, uh, Patrick Vieira played the ultimate price. He was sacked on St. Patrick's Day, um, which is um, pretty unfortunate. Uh, Leicester City legend Paddy McCarthy is in charge. And um, just as possible sort of context as to why Vieira was sacked. Um, five points in those, in those 11 games. They've got five points, four goals, and 26 shots on target in that time, which is... Of all three of those, that's not really an awful lot. I did see uh, what was this on? Oh no, I heard on Football Weekly um, there was a Crystal Palace fan on. I think it was Football Weekly. It might have been the Monday Night Club. Um, anyway, there's a Crystal Palace fan on. Uh, he didn't want Vieira to go. Uh, he quite likes Vieira as a person and thinks there's possibly a coach in there. Um, but also, uh, there's nobody else out there to get. And I've seen on the Man on the Post WhatsApp chat tonight that. Uh, there's talk of uh, Roy Hodgson going back. Um, if I'm a Crystal Palace fan, that doesn't sound very good at all. Uh, so, what do you guys reckon to Vieira then and how he's gotten on at Palace? Just before we get to Vieira, um, mm-hmm. we actually had a bit of a joke at work today saying, can you imagine if Roy Hodgson went back? Oh, really? Did you? I can't, I can't, I can't believe that's, <laughs> that's... That's blown me away, that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Vieira. Yeah, um, I think I said the other week. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before. 
Um, everyone keeps going on about how good Crystal Palace are, but they've not actually moved on at all mm. from where they were. Um, obviously, the record that you just read out then, that's not good enough in the modern game, unfortunately, for a manager. Yeah. Um, a record like that, and you get no time, it's, it's you know, you've got to score. But it's, there's been a few times now where the air has sort of popped up as a manager and people have said, like, you know, oh, he looks kind of looks the part but he's not really delivered anything yet you've got to start wondering you know at what point a club's going to start looking at him going you've not actually done anything from what i remember i think he did okay at new york city without doing brilliantly uh i could be completely misremembering that at all uh completely but um yeah andy can you see why he's been fired i mean yeah the, it's uh it's our football it's our money driven league and the longer this unbeaten run goes on, the more that money is at risk. Mm. And so that's unfortunately, whereas maybe in previous years, you know, a manager would have been given the time to try and turn this around, especially if they do think there is a good manager in there. Um, but yeah, that's that's not going to happen in modern football. Um, yeah, to me, Palace, it just feels like they never fully... They, they didn't have contingency in place for the, the thought that uh, Conor Gallagher wouldn't come back I think and that's probably ended up being a big part of the problem is that he was very much a key part of their team last season um, and haven't really sufficiently replaced him um, some of the other signings and I don't know how much of those were down to Vieira and I don't know how much of those are down to like, I don't know if they've got a director of football or anything have been disappointing isn't Mark Bright their director of football? Or wasn't uh, he their director know. of football? I, I know he was working very close with Steve Parrish. Uh, possibly, yeah. But whoever it is, yeah, has has not done a has either not done a great job with the signings they've made, or Palace as a team just haven't made sufficient signings. Uh, I, I think if you probably look at their transfer activity, I would imagine they're probably one of the the lower activity teams. Mm. in the bottom half um, and what's there obviously isn't good enough at the moment so it's difficult to see who could turn that around I mean this this notion that Roy Hodgson will come back is one, I mean it probably will happen two, I've absolutely no idea why it's going to happen Hodgson seemed quite happy to ride off into the sunset uh, and the idea that they're going to bring back a, a fairly recently retired uh, coach with the hopes that he'll keep them in the league is I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be looking at that with a huge amount of optimism if I was a palace man no okay uh, right let's talk about some games coming up this weekend so in Spain Barcelona are top on 65 Real Madrid on 56 uh, Atleti 48 and Real Sociedad 45 so it's the Clasico so Barcelona play Real Madrid which is on Sunday night which I imagine might be guys the one game of the month that ITV4 get uh, so keep your eyes out on the TV guide for that one possible uh, Atleti versus Valencia and Real Sociedad versus Elche in Italy um, Napoli are top on 68 points then it's Inter on 50 Lazio 49 Milan 48 um, some good games this weekend Derby d'Italia on Sunday night sadly it's the same time as the Classico as uh, Inter play Juve 
earlier on about half past five on Sunday night it's the Rome derby as Lazio play Roma then it's Udinese Milan and Torino Napoli in Germany Bayern are top on 52 points and it's Dortmund on 50 and then RB Leipzig and Union both on 45 so Dortmund play Köln Leverkusen Bayern Bochum RB Leipzig and Union play Frankfurt in France PSG are on clickety click 66 uh, and then it's Marseille on 56 Lens on 54 uh, PSG play Rennes, Rems play Marseille, and Lons play Angers. Right, news. Gianni Infantino has been re-elected as president of FIFA. Right, I took a screenshot of someone, of Tarek Panja, who's a, a New York Times journalist who was following this sort of whole thing. Um, this is what uh, he had to say about it. This is what... Um, uh, John, he, he was tweeting about Gianni Infantino. Bear in mind, this, was take, this ceremony was taking place in Rwanda. Uh Tarek Panja said, Infantino has delivered his opening remarks at the FIFA Congress in Rwanda, where he'll be re-elected as a new term. He described how he came to Rwanda in, when he first campaigned in 2016 and almost gave up, likening his refusal to give up to how Rwanda recovered from its genocide. The anecdote recalled how African delegates told Infantino they wouldn't back his candidacy when he travelled to Rwanda for a regional tournament in 2015, but a visit to the Genocide Museum convinced him not to give up like Rwanda didn't. Quite a thing. Uh, so in about three months, I think 800,000 Rwandans died in 1994 as uh, ethnic tensions between the, the uh, Hutus and the Tutsis. Um, Andy, you probably remember this one um, and could maybe help me out. But uh, that's quite a comparison, isn't it? That's, that's the first time I've heard the quote. I, I don't quite know what to do with that. <laughs> it, it reminds me, I'm sorry, I can't believe I'm bringing up professional wrestling again. But after 9-11 happened, one of the first wrestling shows that happened after they had like loads of wee kind of talking heads from the various wrestlers talking about how great America was and how it bounced back and how this was a tragedy and so on. And Stephanie McMahon, daughter of Vince McMahon, came on and basically talked about how this just reminds me of the time that, you know, my father was caught up in the steroids trial and how, <laughs> um, you know... It, it, the resilience he showed and so on that's why are you fucking kidding that's, this is similar level that this is probably higher levels there was deafness. there was the quote by Mark, well, okay this it was proved to be false in the end okay just in case the man on the post lawyers uh, and maybe she herself are listening this quote was proved false but there was a sort of internet rumor at the time that mariah carey was asked about starving children in africa uh and she replied saying um when I look at people starving in Africa, I think to myself, I wouldn't mind being that thin apart from all the flies. <laughs> but she definitely didn't say it. So, uh, Was it Lee Ryan from Blue who said that he didn't give a, uh, give a fuck about 9-11 while there were whales dying in the world? <laughs> Did he? <laughs> I am fairly certain that was him. The best thing was um, Danny Dyer tweeted about 9-11. I think he said he can't believe... Does his nuts in it? He couldn't believe it was 10 years since them slags flew the plane into the towers. So, um, so yeah. Oh, Danny. <laughs> yeah. Um, also at the World, uh, at the um, the conference, the 48-team World Cup format was finalised. Okay, so there's 48 teams for the 2026 World Cup. 104 games, uh, 12 groups of four, of which the group winners and the second-place teams... And the eight best third place teams will go through to the next round. Uh, the World Cup for the 2026 will be made, or the 48 teams will be made up by the following. Um, nine teams from Africa, that's an increase of four. Eight from Asia, that's an increase of four. Six from CONCACAF, that's an increase of three. Um, 16 from UEFA is an increase of three. Uh, six from Commonwealth is an increase of two. And one from Oceania, uh, they've never been given a permanent place before. Um, guys, what do you two think of this? 
I'm, I'm quite. Oh no, sorry, Nathan, on you go. You know, uh, I don't know. It's massive, isn't it? Is it too big? Is there any need for it to be that big? I don't know. I, I don't think it's broken, so don't fix it. Okay. Uh, Andy, what do you reckon? Yeah, strange one, this one. I'm kind of on the fence about it. In one way, is more football brilliant for the the spectator uh, and so on. Um, I also think it is important that these these federations get more representation than maybe we've had in the past. I do think there's an element of, you know, this is FIFA basically trying to shore up their own support because of the whole one country, one vote thing, that feels like it's just them making sure they always keep the the kind of smaller nations on their side against the UEFA's and, and so on of the world. But, hmm. um, yeah, there's also the issue of whether how much football is too much football for people to be playing. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about it. I, I think... I mean, my first thought was cool. Another twelve teams are going to qualify ahead of Scotland. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure it'll be a great tournament. I think that I think um, uh, if I if I recall, it's it's the USA, Canada, and Mexico. Is that right? Yeah, that are hosting. That's yeah, right. I, th- I mean, I think that'll be a great event. Uh, the 94 World Cup whilst the football maybe wasn't always the best I think the atmosphere around it and, and everything like that was, was fantastic I think that's um, an underrated World Cup 94 yeah and but then the 86 World Cup in Mexico was was you know generally held up as one of the the all timers mm. um, partly because it was in Mexico and obviously they're, they're football crazy uh, there so yeah there's 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 pros and cons to this. I've not quite decided which side of the defence I've come down on yet. I'm quite pro it. Um, what I would have been even happier with is those extra three places that Europe have got. I'd have been quite happy if a place each was given then to, uh, instead of them getting those three places, um, Africa, Asia and Oceania got an extra place each because for Oceania it's just going to be New Zealand I imagine um, I'd quite like to see Oce- New Zealand plus somebody else um, there's already 16 teams from Europe there do we need another th- 13 do we need another three so I'd be quite happy for more representation from Africa, Asia and Oceania I'm quite pro the 48 team World Cup I know people say that it's they're doing this to shore up the, the the sort of vote of the developing nations, but I think a lot of these nations really do depend on FIFA to fund them a lot of the time. So you know, smaller Micronesian federations, they can't afford all the travel that it takes to go to all these qualifying games and tournaments, and FIFA stump up a lot for it. So you know, of course, you're going to vote for them because they're helping your football in your country survive. I guess. I, think, I mean, I mean, I mean have a little time just to take that, take it in mm. I think the thing that really bothers me is the FIFA angle like I'm just like, nobody likes FIFA do they like they're just no no one likes FIFA but I like the idea of 48 teams more football mm. you know new nations making it to, to to the world stage I think for me the bit that sticks is just the fact that you know that FIFA have got like a big money making vote counting political angle that's the bit that, I, that I'm struggling with yeah but kind of like I said that's that's kind of so um, 
they rely on the votes of the smaller nations. The smaller nations rely on the money from FIFA to survive. So I guess it's kind of a quid pro quo. Um, yeah. If yeah. you think about it, I mean, I don't know. It's uh, it's 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 a difficult sort of toss up, depending on what sort of angle you come at it from the FIFA politics thing. Uh, but there we go. Uh, the England squad has been announced. So Trent Alexander-Arnold, Connor Cody, Ben White, Callum Wilson, and um, Raheem Sterling, who's injured, have all been left out. Uh, Ivan Tony, uh, Reese James, uh, Ben Chilwell, and Mark Gwehi of Crystal Palace have come in. Um, asked about Ivan Tony, Gareth Southgate said, "Quote unquote, playing for his club, uh, and he's available for them. There hasn't been a trial. I don't know on what basis. I can't pick him." Um, he's also picked Kyle Walker, uh, and, Car- and Gareth Southgate has said it's uh, a complicated situation, and I've spoken at length with him. Should either of those players be playing for England at the moment? Uh, I, I think did it come out today? I don't. The squad, I think the squad was announced before, but has it come out today that Kyle Walker's not actually facing any charges? Oh, has it? Okay. I might need to double check that, but I'm sure I saw something in between bets this afternoon that he's um, he's not going to face any charges for anything. So, yeah. whilst he's been a bit of an idiot, if if there's not, if it's that hard moral one, isn't it? You know, yes, he's been an arsehole, but there's no charges, so technically can still be picked. And it's exactly the same way I have with Tony as well. Yes, there's been this big betting scandal but it seems to have gone quite a, there's no charges there's not you know he's still playing football so why why would Southgate not pick him yeah. Southgate's just gone you know I'm picking players who are available to me he's, he's kind of hid behind the fact that there's no charges anywhere so I'll, yeah. I'll pick who's available fair enough why, why wouldn't he if they're available and there's no there's no charges then yeah I'm gonna, I'm, you pick your best team don't you from, from what's available I guess so um, Andy do you think we're going to be seeing um, Barry Ferguson and Alan McGregor um, V signs from the substitutes bench um, this with this England team or do you reckon they're fine to be picked uh, that's one of the most childish but fun things ever on a football sort of at the side of a football pitch wasn't it <laughs> that was great I really enjoyed that that's mainly something to do with how much I dislike large parts of the Scottish press but never mind um, <laughs> no I mean I'll, I'll be completely honest I don't fully understand the issue with Ivan Tony. I know that it's against the rules for, for players to be gambling and so on but I mean like in snooker when all this gambling stuff breaks and everything it's it's because like the snooker players have been like intentionally missing shots or you know losing matches and purpose and so on. Ivan Tony's been betting while in the best form of his entire career to the point where he is being called up for England. I guess I don't fully understand that angle of it, but I, I'm not a gambler, so I don't, maybe I'm maybe I just I, I don't quite get the the minutia with this one, but um. Yeah, I've got I've got no personal issue with Ivan Tony getting picked. He's he's England's. And I guess this depends on whether you call Rashford a striker or not. But if you're talking about actual just proper number nines, Ivan Tony's England's best striker, mm. and therefore should be called up. Kyle Walker, I'm on the fence about. Not even necessarily because that he might have been facing charges or anything. I just think he's past his prime at this point, and I think. And again, maybe that's a slight bias, but I think 
Ben White is younger and is capable of playing the same role as Kyle Walker and is doing it for the team that's top of the Premier League at the moment. And yeah, that, that's that's kind of where I'm, I'm on that one. Do, do you reckon Ben White wasn't called up because of the World Cup thing where he went home early and didn't come back? Ah, right, okay. Wasn't that a bereavement or something? Uh, I don't think they've ever said what, what the Ben White thing was. Um, no. It, uh, who was the other one he went? Was it Sterling? Was it Sterling? Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. Uh, or something like that. Or, or his family got burgled, so he had to go and sort that out. I can't believe that Ben White went home and thought, sod it, I'm not bothering going to back to go back. It must have been something really important to stop him going back to a World Cup. That's, that sounds a little bit unfair for him. Yeah. Yeah, it does, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, we don't know the details. If, if, it, if it was for personal reasons, such as a bereavement or something like that, then it does seem a bit harsh for him to be left out again. Mm. Or if it's, if it's a behavioural thing where it's Ben White's gone home, we don't want to say he's been sent home and that might be a different kettle of fish yeah quite possibly uh, yeah, I wonder if it ends up being a bit like the Rainer situation for America where um, obviously where, all, where he was I can't remember was it was he sent home or did he stay with the team throughout the tournament but obviously that led into the whole uh, blow up he was dropped for the, the first US game wasn't he national team. Yep. yeah that was um, it is Ben White's dad famous <laughs> no idea. <laughs> no idea. Uh, Concacaf Champions League this week as well. Finally in news. Um, this was quite the result. This was so Austin two uh, Violets of Haiti nil. Um, so Austin actually went out three two on aggregate. This result all the more important or all the more impressive because several Violet players uh, were refused entry to the United States because of visa issues. So that's quite the story. Um, Leon two Taro nil. So Leon go through three nil on aggregate. Uh, Orlando City 1, UANL 1, UANL go through and away goals. Um, Pachuca uh, 1, Montego 1, Montego go through and away goals. Uh, Real Espana 3, Vancouver Whitecaps um, 2, uh, Vancouver Whitecaps go through 7 3 in an aggregate. Worth saying that previous game that um, Montego went through uh, thanks to an 89th minute uh, Eddie Hernandez penalty, so he'd be feeling good today whoever gave that penalty away. Um, LAFC 1, Alcoense uh, 2, um, but LAFC go through 4 2 in aggregate. Um, Philadelphia Union 4, Alianza uh, nil, so Philly go through 4 in aggregate. And finally, um, Atlas 4, Olympia uh, nil. Um, Atlas go through 5 4 on aggregate, so that was a. Uh, uh, Julia uh, Quinones 89th minute goal um, so all the fun and action there in the, uh, in the Champions League for CONCACAF um, FA Cup's back this weekend Gary Lineker's probably working on his script uh, he's going to start with a zinger I can imagine for whichever TV programme or match of the day he presents um, Manchester City versus Burnley Vincent Company goes home uh, Sheffield United Blackburn uh, Brighton Grimsby uh, and Manchester United Fulham um, anyone want to talk about any of those games particularly? Burnley, that's you, that's your people, Nathan. No, definitely not. If there's, if there's a, an odd one out up here, it's definitely Burnley. <laughs> they're, they're kind of, no, no, one, no one likes Burnley. <laughs> there's there's, rivalries, there's oh. rivalries, and then there's Burnley. Well, what about Blackburn? Are they your people? Uh, I've got no beef with Blackburn. Yeah? Uh, if, if I had to pin my, pin my 
my uh, colleagues to have one team in my area it would be Bolton Wanderers oh, you glory hunter from back in the day yes yes <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Um, what about Grimsby? League 2 Grimsby. Um, Mid-table, I think. Anyone give them a chance against Brighton? Um, no, but they're in the quarter-final of the FA Cup, so you never know. You never no. know. You don't. Uh, Andy, you, did you get these games in Scotland? Or do you get... It's the Scottish Cup this weekend? No, it was last weekend, wasn't it? No, the, yeah, it's just league games, so the, I imagine we might get a couple of them. Yeah? Um, yeah, Grimsby don't have a chance against Brighton it's, it's one of those ones where it's odd it feels like when you, you draw certain Premier League teams you feel like you've got a chance mm. I, including teams that are higher in the league I think than Brighton at the moment but Brighton just they're a very professional team in terms of you tend not to get quite as many ups and downs with them as you do with other teams mm. and so they'll come into this game completely focused completely prepared um and i just i just don't see grimsby really laying a glove on them unfortunately but again quarterfinals for grimsby you know this is basically their fa cup final fair play to them it's been a, a brilliant run yeah um yeah city will beat burnley despite the interest of you know Vincent Company coming back to and, and giving Burnley's own great form in the, the championship um, it's a pick between Sheffield United and Blackburn Rovers and I, 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 mm, Fulham I might be capable of pulling a shock against United Yeah, that would, that would be the one I would look at out of the four and say that's the one with the real shock potential okay I, I, I agree with that definitely excellent uh, Premier League this weekend so Friday um, we're recording this on Friday night it's a forest we're already playing Newcastle in the Steve Stone derby um, Saturday uh, 3 o'clock Aston Villa versus Bournemouth and Tyron Mings derby um, Kamara and Dendonka are doubts for um, Aston Villa uh, Aston Villa were below Bournemouth in the table when Unai Emery took charge they're now 11 points and 7 places better off so it shows the turnaround they've had under him uh, although Bournemouth I guess will be buoyed by their win against um, Liverpool and also the result they almost had against you guys Adam Smith was on the Monday Night Club and he was talking about how absolutely low for about three days afterwards the entire Bournemouth team felt after that game at the Emirates uh, so for them to come back and win as they did I guess was um, quite a big thing so um, a Bournemouth sort of starting to show a little bit of life for you guys I think we've given them a bit of a pounding this season haven't we to be fair and to be, at times rightly so but fair play they're, they're, they're still swinging they're still swinging and you can't ask for more than that when you're in a relegation scrap so every credit to them for, for keeping on yeah Andy yeah I mean credit for Bournemouth to I'm not giving up like Nathan said um, I think the one thing they have in their favour is that they are surrounded by other teams who are in probably worse form than they are at the moment um, I don't think they'll get anything out of this game, it always feels like when Bournemouth have had a good unexpected result this season they've tended to follow it up with a poorer result after so they might go in Boyd against Villa but um, yeah, I think Villa will probably take that one. 
Okay, uh, Wolves versus Leeds, 3 o'clock, the Jamie Clapham derby. No Tyler Adams for um, Leeds, I think he's in a hamstring. Uh, Wolves have won three out of four at home. Um, their last nine goals have come from different players, uh, which include Jan Bednarik and Jean Matip, um, weirdly enough. Uh, Leeds last seven away, they've drawn two and lost five. Um, I hate to say it because I sort of see them as a traditional Premier League team, but I think I can't see any way out of this for, for Leeds. Um, what do you guys reckon? Struggling, aren't they? Mm. They're struggling. Um, although, to be fair, I feel like this game's got draw written all over it because Wolves don't look like the team. Of, there was a there was a stage maybe last season, season before, where Wolves looked re- like a really dangerous team. Like, mm. you know, they, they they looked incredible. Um, and to be honest with you, since Raúl Jiménez got his his horrific injury, they've just not been the same team. They just they look. Like, like you said, the goals have come from nine different players. You know, they're, they're crying out for someone just to, to be a focal point up front for them. I think. I think they get to sort of the final third and go, uh, "Well, who's going to put it in?" Because I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so, I think they're just missing that focal point. Uh, and like you said, Leeds, they're in very big trouble, aren't they? Yeah. I, I, I agree with what you said. I just can't really see a way out for them, unfortunately. No, Andy, what do you reckon? Uh, Wolves are only three points out of the relegation zone and have played a game more than four of the the kind of yeah, four of the, the kind of seven teams below them mm. Um, yeah, I don't know Leeds have shown a bit of spirit recently if nothing else I, I, again, I think Gracia has been brought in more as a, a signing to get them back into the Premier League next season mm. but they're definitely putting up more of a fight and they, they seem to at least be showing more attacking intent now than they were uh, under Jesse Marsh um, so and let's say Wolves do seem to be kind of sleepwalking a bit at the moment so yeah I think I'll go Nathan this one I, th- I think this will end up a draw I think Leeds might nick a point Okay, uh, Chelsea versus Everton, half past five. Uh, the Pat Nevin derby. Raheem Sterling out. Reese James is possible. No Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Um, Everton's last 27 games at Chelsea, they've drawn 12 and lost 15. So they're not do- there's not a happy hunting ground for them. Um, Chelsea with consecutive league uh, wins. Um, and they've got five goals in their last two league and cup games. Um, so they're kind of turning a corner. Uh, Everton away, uh, their last 30 games, they've won two and got two clean sheets. So this looks like this is as close as a gimme Chelsea are going to get, really, doesn't it? Uh, if you're a Chelsea fan, you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? Um, they do seem to be not in form, but turning the ship, maybe. Maybe they turn the corner a little bit. Um, yeah. Maybe the Dortmund result in Europe. Has, has given them a bit of a boost in the league as well. You know, there's nothing, nothing like a distraction from the league to to help boost boost you when you're out of form. Um, I get, very similar to Wolves with Chelsea. I just think they need a focal point. They just need a number nine to, to put it all together. Well, they've got, I think it'll put. they've got a Bamiang and then they've got Lukaku out on loan. So they have kind of got them all. Be well, when I say number nine, I mean like a, a decent number nine. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> No worries. Well, yeah, in terms of this game, Everton, um, I, I, 
you know, he, could you argue that Sean Dyche was a was a signing to get them back up? Maybe more to try and keep them up, but certainly yeah. with an eye on if we do go down, this guy will get us back up. Yeah, uh, Andy. Uh... Yeah, you you would expect Chelsea to win this one. The the kind of new manager bounce for Dice didn't last as long as I think Everton probably, or I think most is probably expected, especially given the result of his first game. Um, Chelsea, like Nathan said, I wouldn't say they're in great form, but they're definitely kind of turning things around a bit. It would appear that's three wins in a row, I think, Hmm. across Europe and... Uh, the league so yeah Chelsea for this one alright Brentford versus Leicester the Paul Brooker derby so Leicester got zero clean sheets since the World Cup uh, and they've lost their last five in all competitions um, Brentford at home this season this is just at home they're unbeaten in nine and they scored 26 points at home this season that's two more than Leicester have got in total um, Leicester are free falling their way to relegation aren't they Andy well, this is again. This is why I, I wouldn't necessarily rule out Leeds or or Bournemouth. I, I think looking at that, the only club I would say with some certainty going down is Southampton. Um, Leicester have been sleepwalking, as far as I'm concerned, for about two seasons now. Mm. And last season they got away with it because Madison was in form. Valde was still scoring goals. You know they were pretty tight defensively, if nothing else. Can't say that this season. I think it might be third worst defensive record in the league. Um, not scoring goals, as you said. Uh, four league defeats in the bounce. Brendan Rodgers has never really seemed to me like the kind of manager who'd be able to turn around a, a, a proper kind of bad situation mm-hmm. in a club. Um, so yeah, I, this is Brentford all day long for me. Okay, Nathan? Yeah, um, Leicester kind of remind me of the opening scene of Pirates of the Caribbean where uh, Jack Sparrow's coming in on that that boat and it's just sinking the closer it gets to the shoreline. They're just free-falling, aren't they? They're just not in Hmm. a very good place at all. And like Andy said, I can't see Brendan Rodgers being the type of manager to be someone who can turn it around in that situation. Um... And as for Brentford, while just what a story from 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 them coming up to, to where they are now, just astonishing, absolutely astonishing. Uh, and definitely can't see anything other than Brentford winning this one. Okay, uh, Southampton versus Spurs, three o'clock. The Dean Richards derby. Southampton lost six out of seven at home. Um, in only one in their last twenty-two games, they scored two or more goals. Uh, Spurs have lost. Their previous four away games in all competitions. Um, and Harry Kane, he's not scored outside London since October. Uh, obviously, he gets the twitches when he goes beyond the end 25. So, um, Spurs not great away from home. Southampton not great at home. Is this a draw? It'd be great if it was like a match like 4-4. <laughs> or just, just complete and utter ridiculous game. You know, it just went off. Both teams just decided not to defend. But yeah. I mean, I'm only going to give it to Spurs just on the fact that Southampton are really that bad. Mm. Um, and anybody else, I would have said, could nick a point if if not win it because Spurs are so unpredictable. 
Um, but yeah, I just think Southampton are dead and buried. Uh, Andy? Uh, yeah, the same. I'll, I'll give it to Spurs almost by default just because Southampton are, are so feckless at this point. Spurs are such a weird team, honestly, that I don't think I've ever seen a top four team quite in such disarray before. You know, you've got Conte and Richarlison um, sniping at each other. You've got Conte no really saying whether he's intending to be there beyond the end of the season, which, of course, everybody who knows Conte's history means he won't be there beyond the end of the season. Um... They're just such a weird club um, at the moment. I, I really thought Conte was was the answer for them because in the past he has proven himself to be a winner. He knows his system. He knows the players to fit into it to make it work. And it just it it, it just hasn't followed that template at all this time. Some managers just don't work at certain clubs, and this is one of those cases. But yeah, like I said, just because Southampton are so poor. Uh, at the moment, I've got to go with Spurs. All right, and then finally on Sunday, Arsenal versus Crystal Palace, two o'clock. The Eddie Goldrick derby, and Arsenal win gives them six nine points. That's the same um, as they got in total last season, um, and there's still ten games left to play. Uh, Leandro Trossard has got one goal uh, and five assists in nine games with Arsenal. He's one of those sort of mid-season signings that's making himself very key for you guys, isn't he? Um, are you fearing a Vieira this Crystal Palace? Is there going to be some sort of reaction from the players do you think um, with regards to performance by the Palace players or do you, are you quite happy to to play this Palace team it's uh, it's always that fear in that you know I'd rather have played Crystal Palace with Patrick Vieira mm. than without him if I'm being completely honest yeah uh, I can send that but I, I always back us at home. I'll always back us at home. Uh, our home form's been brilliant. Jesus is back. Uh, Saka had a bit of a rest. Odegaard's had a bit of a rest. Hmm. I mean, they, 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 they did come on midweek, but it was late on in the game. So, yeah, we've got some... We've got our top players rested, and we're at home. I back us every time. Okay, Andy? Uh, yeah, only Wolves, Everton and Southampton have scored fewer goals than Crystal Palace this season. Uh, their problems go way beyond who their manager is, I think. Um, I, I don't see them causing much of a threat here. There certainly won't. I, I can't imagine there will be a new manager bounce. <clears throat> or even, as Nathan said, the potential that you know the players will, will G themselves up. They may very well do, but I, I think the fact the fact is that Palace just aren't a very good side at the moment um, so yeah despite the disappointment of the, the European exit I fully expect Arsenal to win this pretty comfortably ok uh, that brings us to the end of our Premier League roundup um, ending of our podcast anyone's got any other business today? just quickly to go back to the, the England squad again I was I was quite intrigued by Southgate's comments about how he doesn't have he's worried about the amount of players that are good enough for him to pick or it was something along those oh, lines yeah. anyway about how there wasn't enough English players and I just think well if you ever look beyond the, the English channel 
Uh, Gareth, I think you'd find there's actually quite a few. You know, there's Tomori, who still doesn't seem to get much a look in. You've got um, uh, Marcus Edwards, who played very well for Sporting. Yeah. You've yeah. got um, yeah. uh, Stefan Mavididi, uh, who's kind of ripping it up in France uh, this season. Um, yeah, the only oh, player yeah. he seems to notice across the channel is, is Jude Bellingham, and it's like, oh, maybe if you just expanded your horizons a wee bit more. Have, uh, Gareth, you might find you've actually got some players. Have any of you read Soconomics? No. Uh, so they talk about this a little bit, and what they talk about is the influx of foreign players in England and their logic uh, and the effect on the England national team. Um, and they think that it would make that such an influx would make the English team uh, better. First of all, you've got foreign players coming in with new ideas and ways to play and you know that sort of thing secondly the book says that it brings about greater competition so if you're an english player you've got to be really really good to get by these foreign players to then make it in your club team's first team uh so therefore by default you're bringing through better english players due to the saturation of, of foreign players and that can only have a positive effect on the england team anyone see anything in that yeah i, I totally buy into that 100 percent and as I was saying that, I was thinking in um, Bukaya Saka, as I was saying that. Uh, absolutely, yeah. We, you know, Arsenal were in a place where, you know, we were struggling and we had holes in the team. And I think it was Emre, to be fair to him, gave the Hale End group a chance in the Europa League. And people like Saka, Emile Smith-Rowe, who's been unfortunate with injuries. Um, you know, to a certain extent, Reese Nelson. Uh, who who falls into the bracket of a player who went abroad? He, mm. he was playing in Germany, did really well. We brought him back, and he's he's made his way into the first team. Um, Florian Belugon was was is another one in France, who's you know up there in the scoring charts with Mbappe, um, Messi, Neymar. You know, I, I think there's. I I totally agree that you know. If, if you are good enough you will play nationality shouldn't come into it you know it's it's. if, if you're good enough you start we've seen it with Phil Ford at Man City alright he's not starting every week but just to be even in the, in the match day squad in that Manchester City team fantastic great achievement same with Saka you know Jude Bellingham all these young lads that are coming through have, have come through into teams with absolute world-class players in them mm. that are holding their own so surely the quality has got to be better than if you say you know in a parallel universe you, you can only play in the league that you were born in you know well that's great but you're not going to get any competition or, or, or an influx of other ideas from elsewhere yeah yeah no, that's a good point Andy um, anyone got any else? No, I don't think so. Not for me. No. Super Trooper. Right, okay, so we're Man on the Post, part of the Man on the Post network. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Man on the Post. You can find us on Facebook and give us a like on there. Uh, Ali and Simon, Carl and um, maybe Dave. Um, he's been on maternity leave this sort of paternity leave this long from Man on the Post. I think his child might well have graduated soon and be able to join the podcast again. Um, they'll be back next week to review the games that we've been previewing here. If you like what you hear, you can find us on um, the 
uh, any uh, podcast app of your choice, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts. If you like to hear, you can give us a rate and review uh, and subscribe. It makes it easier for all your future episodes to fall automatically in your inbox. A positive review makes it easier for other people to find as well, so you're doing yourself and other people a favour. Um, Andy, if they want to follow you, how do they do that? Uh, yeah, they can find me on Twitter at Sight Tyson. Perfect. And Nathan, if they want to follow you, how do they do that? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at FMCM underscore FC. Perfect. Brilliant. Right. Well, thank you ever so much, guys. And all that remains to be said is always remember to keep your on the post. Bye.